Hey, if you're loving the show, make sure you become a patron. For as little as $2 a month, you can get episodes where you can't get anywhere else. Go to patreon.com slash theameliafortes. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. You are listening to Courageous Self-Love, the official podcast for the self-love revolution. And I'm your host, Amelia Fortes. And today's episode is self-love and BFE, big family energy. And you're probably wondering, what the heck do I mean by that? And so let me give you a little bit of backstory that really inspired this episode. When I was single and dating, I was always thinking like, you need to hang around and learn from people who have what you want, or you think they have what you want. And it's really, really good to to hang around that. Um, and so when I was single and dating, I made it a point to hang around a lot of like families and married couples or people who have been in long-term relationships because what I realized was that movies and TV and unfortunately a lot of the people that I was around growing up didn't really teach me how to have healthy long-term relationships. So I made it a point to do that. And that actually really helped me out just from observing people in these long-term relationships to see like what it really takes to have a successful relationship. And while this episode isn't specifically about marriage or relationships, since we already did that episode, it's the same idea. And so I'm really excited. I actually have a guest host with me. You know him very well, Justin Castillo, host of the Tsunami Healing Podcast. Say hello, Justin. Hey, what's up, guys? Thanks so much for having me, Amelia. I appreciate it. You're welcome. And congratulations on, you're almost at 100 episodes for your podcast. Yes, absolutely. I'm very excited about that. I mean, we're a year and a few months in and I just did a huge interview with my own dad for episode 100 and um, we had the one year anniversary episode episode 69 with you yeah. Cortez, and um, it's just been a blast so yeah I'm very blessed to be here and the reason why we really do podcasts is just because it's important to get real voices out there real stories and so without further ado I've teased you enough <laughs> we're going to be talking about what it is to have a big family to raise a big family to raise children to make the world a better place and all of that good stuff. And I have my cousin here with us, Megan Bilbao. Hey, Megan. Hello. So running joke in our family is that Megan has an older sister, Amber, and we realize that we all have very similar voices. So hopefully, to those of you listening, you can tell the difference between our voices. But I'll say hey, and Megan, can you say something so that they can tell the difference between our voices? You are very correct. We have very similar voices, even though we grew up on opposite ends of the country, the coast. The coast, yeah. Yeah, Megan grew up in California, and I grew up in New York. And now I've done that. I live in Southern California. We get to hang out a lot. And just so you know, Megan is married to JD, my cousin-in-law, and they have four beautiful girls, JKLM, Jasmine, Kylie, Lily, and Maya. And um, we're here to talk about big family energy and what is it taken. So just to kind of give the theme here, and for those of you listening, um, whether you want a family or whether you have children in your life 
or whether you're wondering, you know, especially in our current sociopolitical climate, everything going on, it's kind of like, oh my gosh, how do I just raise kids to be the next generation to um, make a difference in this world and or just how do I keep them alive? (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's really what this is about. And something that Megan and JD both told me a long time ago was, you know, when they raise their children, they think of it as we're just raising adults going through childhood. Can you tell us a little bit about what that means to you and how you incorporate that in your life? Sure. Well, obviously, they change so much, especially in that first year, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, if you think about it, the first 18 years, which is your traditional childhood, right? Mm -hmm. 18 years for our current life expectancy is such a small fraction of what our whole entire life is. And so it really is just that foundational development. And I think, you know, just realizing that kids have so much more to offer than I think that our current society allows. Mm -hmm. And I guess I kind of looked back into the olden days (laughs) where if you think like, okay, puberty at that age, like why do they hit puberty at that age, right? Mm -hmm. But if you think like out in the farm or wherever. Before like industrial society. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And like you had kids and they helped work the farm and they had different responsibilities. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, well, if our biology thinks that we're ready, it's like then you have to be preparing prior to that. Mm-hmm. And then um, just, you know, seeing them as toddlers and how much information they could absorb and retain. And then even um, phys- physical tasks and their dexterity and everything and what you can, what you trust them with or what you expose them to mm-hmm. is that's like, there really is no limit actually, you know? Yeah. Even self-feeding. Mm-hmm. you know, versus like, okay, we're going to spoon feed them until they're five. You know, some cultures, they do that, right? Around nine months, they can pinch their fingers together. So we even mm-hmm. like started with like picking up Cheerios and everything like that. Well, that's like self-feeding. And then even just conversations that you would have with them. And I think the biggest thing that JD would always do is like ask questions. And he still does that. He still does that. And so also, like, when they ask a question, it's like, well, let's think about that together. You know, why do you think about that? And one of our most memorable questions is when Maya asked, probably at around three years old, Daddy, where does Jesus live? And he's Mm -hmm. like, yeah, where do you think he lives? And then he followed it with, I think he lives in, in my heart. And she goes... I think he lives in Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> Being intrigued and entertained and seeing like um, life from their perspective. Yeah. I think that's really important because this whole concept of treat them like they're adults going through childhood, it's like there's no perception that they don't have any capabilities that we don't. I mean, of course, there's certain things like emotional maturity and mm-hmm. physical maturity or whatever, but it's you know, essentially, they're still complete human beings inside right. of there, even if they're in, like, a baby body or toddling around. Right. And I actually remember a moment, and I don't know if I ever told you this, but I remember when I first moved here seven years ago, so the girls were pretty young, and so right now they're between 10 and 18, mm-hmm. but when I first moved here, so that was seven years ago, so it was between 3 and 11, Yeah. so they were really young, and I remember... I just always remember moments where you encourage them to be Mm self-sufficient, which how I grew up and how I, when I talked to friends and how they grew up, it wasn't exactly encouraged. It was like there was 
sometimes control around like how you should act and how you should be and there wasn't inquiry innocent inquiry which is what you're talking about and I remember I think it was Kylie and Lily which are the two middle ones and they were having like a little bit of a disagreement (laughs) and I think Lily was just like mom I think they were both trying to get your attention and you were simply just like work it out (laughs) (laughs) and it didn't seem like it didn't seem like a dismissive way of like Mm -hmm. I don't care but it was like you're big girls. Yeah. You said very plainly, your sisters, you love each other. Disagreements are going to happen. Mm-hmm. Work it out. And like they did. I mean, it wasn't like a pretty package. I just kind of observed <laughs> and I think they just went off somewhere. But I think for me, I, I remember it. And I think it was probably Lily's birthday or somewhere around that time. And I just was like, wow, it was revolutionary for me to yeah. just kind of think of like, oh, you're actually encouraging them to figure it out on their own. And that requires like, I think a trust not only in yourself, Mm -hmm. but also in them. And back to that whole, they're just adults going through childhood, you know, you're trusting them to kind of figure it out or even make mistakes in their own way. I don't know if you remember that exact moment, but I'm sure. Well, there were very very many many. moments (laughs) exactly like that. Mm -hmm. And you're exactly right. Like trusting them, trusting ourselves too. Um, But it's allowing them to, make those mistakes while they're still under your supervision, under your guidance. Mm. And another mm-hmm. thing too was um, was punishment. And yeah. I don't even know how we, we came <laughs> to this conclusion or whatever, how it came about. And I think just maybe being that transitional generation of like, okay, we grew up being spanked, you yeah. know? And then like, oh, that's child abuse or whatever, and then you can't mm-hmm. lift a finger or whatever. Um, but just with punishment and really like teaching them, like, what is the point in, in discipline and really like the, the whole world word of discipline is, is teaching and learning and having Mm -hmm. a lesson. And Mm -hmm. so if you can't learn from what you did was wrong, how do you know when to do the right thing or how, or, or what the right thing is and everything. And like all you, all you get is like cause and effect. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we're not just reactionary, like with, with our our human brains you know we're advanced enough to realize like well why there are different age ranges that statistically you know mm-hmm. it's like okay this would be appropriate a punishment for this age and that age and da 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 and then but then it also ties in with maturity when somebody would do something wrong you know like initially it's like you get a pinch mm-hmm. you know and um and that i learned from another parent she's like uh well you can pinch them and it's not like this big physical harm or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, and it can be discreet when you're in public, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, but then as they get older, it's like, okay, like, you know, we can talk, we can reason and, mm-hmm. you know, pinch isn't so much whatever, but it's like, they know that they do wrong things and it's that self-control or that lack of self-control. And so now it's like, well, what do you think your punishment would be? Mm-hmm. And guiding them through that. And so Lily in particular would actually, um, pick more harsher punishments than I would have picked, depending mm. on, on what the offense was. Right. So, but in general, her, her punishments were pretty, pretty harsh for herself. Mm. And I think that just speaks to her personality. Oh um, yeah. She's like the intense one like in the best way possible. Mm-hmm. Like she takes things seriously is how I would say it. She's very committed to like the utmost excellence and perfection and so it's like this is the punishment this is I can I can see why that would be so sometimes I would have to say 
have to guide her through that and say like, well, do you really think that 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 fits the crime, you know, so mm-hmm. to speak? And so there would be times where I get I encourage her to lessen the punishment on herself. Mm-hmm. And some mm-hmm. of the times where it was harsher than what I was thinking, but I was like, sure, let's go with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it depends on the kid and and like I said, they will surprise you about like what they're thinking. And I think that also broadened my perspective too on each of them as individuals, but even just like that age range and, mm-hmm. and what they are capable of and the different decision making that they would make. And of course, birth order is a huge thing that I've observed. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's just because, yeah, you truly are different parents with a different kid. I mean, that's natural, right? Yeah. I like that you say it's natural because I think we have a tendency to good, bad, right, or wrong things. And I think there's just natural tendencies. How are you, Justin? How are you hearing all of this based on how you grew up and stuff? Yeah, I just think it's really cool. I mean, the fact that you even have a conversation with your mm-hmm. kids. Nobody ever asked me how I thought I should be disciplined. I mean, I'm just trying to digest. <laughs> no, I'm that. just like, um, <laughs> wait, we have an opinion said, on well, this? All of us here sitting at this table, you know, we're similar, close in the age and our parents were old school. Their parents were old school. Mm-hmm. It was a different time and a different generation. Nowadays, we got you know essential oils, and we talk about the moon and crystals. And, <laughs> you know, that was and never we have conversations. Well, yeah, with our kids. And that was that was never a thing. So I, I think you know it's changing, and I love the idea of you know just talking to your children. I think, like you said, it's, it's interesting that you said some of them thought that they, uh, you know, they were it was harsher, mm-hmm. you know, on themselves. And I love that you encourage them not to be so hard on themselves because I think inside in society in general, you know, we're hard enough on ourselves so um that was just a beautiful thing to me yeah and as a parent what do you think it requires from you and jd or and or to even like think like that or want to think like that because same for me it's like i didn't have a say Mm -hmm. in pretty much in much of anything and so where do you think that comes from and maybe not even just you like as a society and how can you encourage other parents to think differently maybe or well I think the foundational credit definitely goes to the people that raised me Mm. and I think it's standing on their shoulders so knowing that they're the foundation and it's not anything that they that they did wrong it's not about wrong or right it's about different and it's about growing and compounding on what was before you and so I definitely want to recognize that like everyone who was involved in raising me from Uh, my parents Mm -hmm. and aunts and uncles and grandparents and all those influences and teachers as well too Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, you know we spend a lot of our days with our teachers as as kids growing up so straddling those two generations where you did the best with what you knew yeah when you know better you do better Mm -hmm. and so that has been something that's very comforting that's very empowering that's very uh, releasing to be Mm -hmm. able to say like I did the best with what I know and when we know better do better and that's what I think compounding that with like standing on the shoulders of those who came before us. Megan as you were coming up obviously there was a foundation and shout out to all of our parents and the Mm -hmm. village that raised us. Shout out to Uncle Abner and Auntie Orchid and (laughs) Auntie Allen and everybody. (laughs) Grandmas, moms, everybody's like teachers, teachers, Mm -hmm. coaches, it takes a village. And What was missing or lacking in your childhood or your upbringing that you specifically wanted to make sure you created. And I'll say it this way because I've gotten to be a part of your life and these girls' mm-hmm. lives uh, for the past four years. And I've seen them grow into these amazing young women um, that they are today. And um, 
not knowing who I was, you know, coming in, you know, obviously I was going to get looked at a certain way from the youngest because, you know, I'm taking away <laughs> oh. her favorite auntie. Ivy, you know? <laughs> so, um, you know, she used to give me the stink eye, but we're cool now. We're friends. Um, no, I, I, they're, they're the most uh, respectful. That's one of the things, J.D., and I never have to worry about screening people. It's yeah. Like, yeah, we go you got your yeah, test. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, they're, they're the most respectful, um, sweet young ladies i think i've ever met um i'm so glad to hear you say that yeah yeah, yeah. And, and i truly believe that so so what was lacking from your upbringing that you wanted to make sure you created in your uh family so family? honestly i don't think anything was lacking mm. i really think that how my upbringing was was exactly what it needed to be mm -hmm. because if it were any mm -hmm. different mm -hmm. the things that i would have pulled from as i was growing up and and learning more about child rearing and everything those things wouldn't have stood out to me in the way that they did mm -hmm. and then i wouldn't have done what i did with my kids so i guess that doesn't really answer the question well, that you're it asking does. well because but... i was going to say it sounded like you <laughs> took that and just built it you just added to yeah. it. Yeah. It was like a yes and almost. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think too, I mean, anyone that knows you and JD, but then for those listening who don't, I mean, you both work on yourselves. Yeah. We do. And you yeah. work on your marriage. And you were the ones that introduced me to that concept of like that triangle where it's like get closer mm -hmm. to God, then you get, you. if you both are getting closer to God, then you're getting closer to each other. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, it, you know, I was just thinking about it. We're in their house and I'm looking around, there's, there's like... There's always a John Maxwell book somewhere, <laughs> you know, or a Robert Kiyosaki book somewhere. And we'll actually talk about that in a second. But I think it requires us, the adults, to work on ourselves so we can right. be better for the children and the teenagers who are basically just yeah. adults going through childhood and teenagehood, mm -hmm. adolescence. <laughs> so I think it's important for the audience to know, too, a little bit about my background. Yeah, so yeah. I kind of grew up in a bubble. I've lived in the same 20 mile radius my entire life, right? Mm -hmm. I have been brought up in a church school system and worked for that same church uh, conference as my employer, mm -hmm. you know? And so that really is like a bubble, right? So how do I relate to other people and be like, oh, well, that's great. That worked out for her and them and da 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 Well, some of the challenges that we, we have overcome Mm -hmm. uh, with being married and raising a family is even though we're the same ethnicity, we have the same country of origin, we do not have the same upbringing. So I oh, yeah. grew up mm -hmm. in America. My husband was born and raised in the Philippines and um, migrated here with his family at the age of 14. And so that in itself is like totally it's an interracial marriage. Totally. You know? It really is. And people... People never even consider that, right? Mm -hmm. um, the other thing is that my parents separated when I was three, and then by the time I was probably like five or six is when the divorce was final, and my mom got sole custody of us. Mm. And so I could have lived my whole life not ever knowing my dad. My mom saw the value in me getting to know my dad mm -hmm. and his side of the family, and so every summer, that's how Amelia and I got to know each other. <laughs> I was actually the flower girl in your parents' wedding. Yeah, so. I know. <laughs> I know. I have their album, and I see it all the time. Like, and I, I, the only thing I remember from that is dancing at the reception with my dad. <laughs> I think I was in my mom's belly. But she wouldn't want me to say that. <laughs> Maybe she rest in peace. <laughs> and I guess I just wanted to say, like, 
you know, no, I didn't grow, grow up in a family with one mom, one dad, two cats and a dog. Yeah. I guess it's important to say, like, no matter what your background is, like Hannah Montana said, life's what you make it. So let's make it right. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to And at the end, we'll get to, you know, what the empty nest syndrome, how JD and I view that, too. You just had one graduate high school. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but we're not empty at all. Yeah, no, it's, a, it's still a full nest. If if you're hearing any background noise, I, I think it's it's just a beautiful thing because it's absolutely a full nest in here right now. Yeah, it's just some creeping up in here. Beautiful girls walking around. <laughs> and people always say like, "Oh, I love it." There's always something going on. Yes, yes. there mm-hmm. is. Yeah, I, I just wanted to get into this, Megan. Um, me growing up uh, over on the East Coast in Virginia, single mom, only child, it was very quiet. In the country. In the country, <laughs> um, yeah, not around a lot of things. Um, a lot of it was fending for myself, a lot of it was I'm gonna get mine, a lot of it was survival, I need to make sure that I you know, eat today, my mom's out mm-hmm. working, I'm mm-hmm. seven years old making my own dinner, mm-hmm. you know, having to grow up by myself, having to grow up faster than I wanted to, it was cool to see uh, a big family move as a unit, mm-hmm. look out for each other, seeing the girls uh, doing things for each other. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're getting little scuffles because they're sisters, but, you know, really, you know, loving each other, um, helping each other, singing together. Um, mm-hmm. You and Amber, you know, as a family, my family on both sides, my mom and my dad's side, they do everything last minute. Um, there's a million <laughs> oh, yeah. decisions that get changed again and again and again, especially on my mom's side. And that's just how it's been. But you guys, like, you have spreadsheets. Um, <laughs> You have planning like months in this advance. This is the exception, not the rule. It really is, though. And, and, and I say this, and so, we're very blessed. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 been such a pleasure and a blessing to be able to part to be a part of that. So, yeah. um, and I love it too how you guys have God at the foundation. You know, you kept your girls spiritually grounded. I see them in the church. They're singing. They're praising. They know who God is. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you run the family? You know, how <laughs> how how your queen bee? You know, you you it all starts and ends with you and JD. So, um. How, how does the queen uh, run her uh, kingdom? <laughs> so one thing, like, okay, I've read a, a couple books, Strength Finder 2.0, mm-hmm. and then also um, Wired That Way. Mm-hmm. And sorry, I don't have authors. But. No, that's okay. And as, a, as you know, listeners, I always um, tag or link the books in the show notes. So make sure you click on the actual link for this episode and any of the episodes where either me or my guests are mentioning other things, you'll always have a link to the video or whatever it is. So don't worry about writing it down right now. I got your back. So yes, StrengthsFinder. StrengthsFinder 2.0, which I believe is Tom Rath. Yeah. And then um, Wired That Way, which I think is Florence Latower. Mm-hmm. But you'll have to research that for sure. Yeah. Um, and so what those two show, so basically in a nutshell, there's like 34 strengths that everybody has. Mm-hmm. And when you have like your certain skill set and, and you think of Olympians, right? Mm-hmm. And they're going to compound and work on their strengths every day because your strength, since it is your natural innate born talent, mm-hmm. you're more likely to exponentiate that further than you could ever hone in on your weaknesses knowing your strengths Mm -hmm. and and then also like different personality types and so i will say like i am 51 49 depending on the day flip-flopping back between sanguine and choleric right Mm -hmm. choleric is your organized spreadsheet type of person right okay my sister on the other hand is she's choleric super choleric so (laughs) when i'm around her i get to be sanguine you know Mm -hmm. and then when i'm around my husband i 
have to be choleric. <laughs> but it's noticing that just because you and your spouse or your partner may be doing things differently, it doesn't necessarily mean it's wrong. So yeah. having that end goal in sight and seeing like, okay, like I can get annoyed over this or I could just be like, well, he got it done, you know? Mm-hmm. And the truth of the matter is, which is going to be my chlorericness, mm-hmm. because I'm the one who's frustrated. He doesn't care if I do it differently <laughs> than him. He's like, sure, that's his phlegmatic size. Like, yeah. whatever. She did it her way. I'm doing it my are way. Are those strengths from StrengthsFinder? So sanguine choleric are personality type wired that, wired that way. way. Okay. Yeah. Okay, that's why I was like, I'm not familiar with these. Yes. Okay. Sanguine choleric, phlegmatic, and melancholy, which mm-hmm. I'm like zero, and JD is like, <laughs> We're very opposite, so it will opposite attract. Being organized in this whole big family thing, it's very common to say, like, to be organized in everything, that that choleric person is going to take over, take charge. But then when you look at your strengths from StrengthFinder, mm-hmm. um, those all have a way to, to help you be organized. You're going to do it in your own way. But it's knowing what that is and recognizing it because I think in general society wouldn't recognize it for that. Yeah. Organized can look different ways. It doesn't always look like spreadsheets, choleric. Exactly. And if you look at my bedroom in high school, (laughs) I would ask my mom, I'm like, can you grab this for me in my room? And she'd open the door and she'd be like, what in the world? And I'll be like... It's over to the right, underneath the, the right, to the right side of the dresser, underneath the purple backpack. Yeah. Sure enough, it was there. And Your, so or, what is it? The organized chaos. Yes. I totally have that too. Yes. So I think it's him, and that was my sanguine days, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and she still says like, you need to clean your house. And I'm like, mom, I'm living life. <laughs> I know where things are. Yeah, and I just wanted to point this out too, like that, that's a... I mean, that's a practice and a mastery skill to be able to surrender yes. and let go and let yes. everybody in your family be at their brilliance. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know, it's just so cool because like in my family, you know, everybody was fighting to, you know, get their voice heard and, you know, mm-hmm. we're doing everything mm-hmm. last minute and everybody's changing ideas and it causes a lot of stress and tension. It but can. like, yeah, with you guys, I mean, my dad will ask me something. I'll be like, oh, dad, we... We, we're going to so-and-so's birthday because we planned that like four months ago. But like, see, like, with my family, we never did that. Yeah. <laughs> on either side. So it's it's not saying that, that that's wrong or exactly. right. It's just, it's just cool to experience it. And you're like, what works for you? So now my husband's side of the family, we vacation with them very differently. Mm-hmm. Very than differently. Our, than our side of the family. Yeah. And, and it is very much like, and I joke around like this, you know, we talk about like type A personalities and Jasmine goes, well, what's the other type? I said, type wrong. <laughs> <laughs> There's right, and then there's everyone else. <laughs> yeah. But so our goal then is to just go with the flow. And yeah. to really just like... Enjoy as much as possible. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so then just knowing like, okay, what's the goal? What is the goal for the day? And mm-hmm. then like with, with JD's family, it's like the goal for the day is to literally surrender and just like go with the flow, be okay. I'm not a patient person and I need to eat a lot of humble pie. But again, it's like, what do I want more versus what do I want right. now? And I'm so glad you're bringing that up because um, I taught a relationship workshop last week with two other teachers and one of the other teachers, Matthew Solomon, shout out Matthew, um, taught a communication exercise, communication and listening. And it was basically like, do you want to be right or do you want to have love? And sometimes it really is that simple. And we also talked about like, what is your commitment? And so it's like, like you said, when you're going on vacation with your in-laws, it's like the commitment 
is what is to be together yeah to have the best time possible is the commitment to have every single thing on the spreadsheet done perfectly and we're right on time I mean at that point it's kind of like do you really want to hold on to that or do you just want to have a good time and enjoy this you know vacation that you're on and even mentioning the spreadsheet again it's funny because <laughs> it's like gosh this runs strong in our genes because our other cousin Tiffany and I remember her wedding and, hey, Tiffany. <laughs> and her wedding planner was like, oh, I didn't know it was here. And she literally was like, why? It's on the schedule. <laughs> I don't know how you didn't know. Um, and so just to see, like, no one taught us that. Yeah. You know? No. But love us anyways. Well, kind of to Justin's question about, like, what was missing. And I love how you said it, like, nothing was missing. Like, everything was what it needed to be mm-hmm. to teach me what I needed. Which, number one, is something that definitely people that work on themselves first mm-hmm. <laughs> is the kind of thing that we say. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it, it, it is important. And I think because because I had so much chaos around me when I was younger, it did teach me to, like, be very spreadsheety and stuff but to that point I do get to eat a lot of humble pie as well and surrender pie and all the pies because sometimes being so controlling or wanting to stick to that spreadsheet or that Mm -hmm. idea of perfection it's it takes away from the joy yes yes very true yeah switching gears a little bit I want to know and I'm interested in what you have to say about teaching your kids about very important things because I think our school system and I really hope it changes soon or it continues to change but it needs to change a little faster but our school system does a poor job of teaching us about money about relationships about friendship sisterhood Mm -hmm. um, religion and God obviously there's in public schools there's a separation there but even just having a connection with something greater than ourselves and right. so um, emotions around all those things. and emotions around <laughs> all those things. I mean, we learn about sex in school, but it's truly like just the mechanics of it. But I don't remember being taught anything about the emotions that go with it. Oh, that is a hilarious. Well, <laughs> we can talk about so well, we can start with anyone. <laughs> but like even like, and then like with money, like it's incredible how certain subjects are required. But like we should learn how to do taxes. in high school at least yeah we should learn how to balance a checkbook or how to like budget even from middle school I think we're old enough those are a lot of different topics but whatever kind of you're leaning towards like what has been your approach or learning through that it's funny all I think as parents you think you know the age where you should start having these conversations but you don't Mm. and you don't because it really depends on your kid Mm. it depends on their their birth order again, and in, in basically because of what they're exposed to. So when we talk about, I guess, spirituality, I grew up going to a church school my whole life, both for um, elementary, high school, and college. And um, my husband went to a church school for elementary and college, but not for high school. Mm-hmm. So having those conversations too about like where we are gonna send them to school and everything, and being in a community where there are a couple church schools to choose from, it's not about like turning out fine or not. Because don't get me wrong, like a lot of my coworkers will be like, "Well, you know that there's sex and drugs and alcohol there too." I was like, "I know, I went there," <laughs> <laughs> and I don't send them there because I think they won't get exposed to all those things. Yeah, but I do send them there because the thing that they 
do talk about is their spirituality, yeah. is their relationship with a, another being. And them coming home, singing the songs that I grew up with that, yeah. that fulfilled that relationship, that spiritual relationship. I think a lot of people come from the thinking of like, I need to control the experience yeah. of my child. So even just that reasoning of like, oh, you want to send them to a church school, but you know they have da-da-da-da-da there too. And you're like, well, I'm not trying to control that experience, mm -hmm. but what I, the reason I'm choosing it is because of what it will have and because of what it will provide. And I just think not sc choosing schools aside or anything, I just think that's, that's one of the things, this through line of like treating your children as mm -hmm. if they're adults going through childhood. It's like, you can't control their experience. And I think even on an energetic level, if you're like thinking about what can I do to control what my child is going to experience or see or think or believe is just not, not the right way to go. Well, it's not if realistic I were to, either. Yeah. No. It's not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. No, you can't, you can't stop what they're going to be exposed to. I mean, even if you are a helicopter parent, there's still going to be things that you can't control. Mm -hmm. Unless you're like the Truman Show, and yeah, we, yeah. <laughs> we saw how that. Yeah. <laughs> but you still, you're not inside their head. You don't know what what they're thinking and things like that. And I so. think that was probably the realities that I recognized from my childhood, from growing up. So we have four girls, right? So a lot of people will talk about like dating. Are you gonna let them date and whatever? It's like, why is this only the conversation for girls? Because who are they gonna be yeah, dating? They yeah. yeah, they might be dating other girls, but primarily. There's other guys, too. Like, are you not going to con be concerned about your son dating? Yeah. So, um, and and ultimately, it's like you cannot control feelings mm -hmm. that somebody will have. So you can say you can't have a boyfriend or you can't have a girlfriend. But they're going to feel that way about that person. They're going to be emotionally involved, emotionally attached, mm -hmm. and then also emotionally broken up with, whether or mm -hmm. not there was that label. And mm -hmm. so you can say what you want. Whether they were allowed to or not yeah. also. Yeah. But, mm -hmm. yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, do you want them to come talk to you about it? Mm -hmm. Or do you want them to talk about their friends who know nothing about it at all? <laughs> yeah. Right? It's yeah. like, that's even scarier. Talk yeah. about, like, the blind leading the blind. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so back to, like, the question about sex. So one of my coworkers, she's like, oh, I talk about it in the car on the way to school because they can't go anywhere. You know, <laughs> it's like they're stuck in there. <laughs> they have to listen. You want to talk about to kids about like drugs and alcohol before they're exposed to it. Mm -hmm. So, and they're like, that's junior high. They're getting exposed to it. And then like, so now you got to talk about it in elementary. And I know there's a lot of parents like, oh my gosh, no, da, 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 da. Mm -hmm. And they want to shelter them. It's like, again, can you control what they're exposed to? Especially with the internet and like, I, they, yeah. they have an internet attached to their hand yeah, 24 hours. Right, right. Yeah. So we felt like it was really important to teach them how to recognize what, what felt right or what felt wrong or what they should or shouldn't be doing. Yeah. And also like how that impact, how their choices result in consequences. Yeah. And with Jasmine, we missed the window. <laughs> the window I was looking for was the window where it would be an open dialogue, where there would be that conversation back and forth with questions and answers. Mm -hmm. And we missed the window because she was mortified. She was like, I did not want to be talking about this right now. And I remember we were in the car, <laughs> in the and I said, and she couldn't leave. <laughs> what? Are you telling me I missed the window? And Lily and Kylie and Maya, but Maya was really little, 
we're in there. I'm like, we're doing this now. Thank goodness for Disney movies. They already recognize boys and girls are different. Externally, they have different body parts. And so we just talked about like, um, I don't even think I called it reproductive organs, but but it was very scientific. So it's like girls are, are born with eggs and it's like, remember in Nemo where, you know, oh. Nemo, like we're all, Coral had all the eggs there. Well, that's what girls have. And inside. those those <laughs> eggs are inside their ovaries and you're born with that and whatever. And then they travel and then the, the boys have a seed to fertilize. And I don't really know what exactly their, their definition of fertilization was, but mm-hmm. they, you know, they kind of knew like, you know, fertilize makes it nourish and grow or whatever. Mm-hmm. We may have even talked about a little bit about, um, what makes a person a person and how you get like half from your mom and half from your dad. And my sister's a genetic counselor. So there (laughs) might've been some talk about chromosomes, which I'm sure totally went over their head. But anyways, at the moment they're visualizing all of Nemo and his brothers and sisters. (laughs) Right. So we said, then the, the boy has a seed and I'm sure I described what a sperm might look like. I just don't remember what I said it is. <laughs> like a tadpole. So <laughs> I said, like, it has to travel down a tunnel. And mm. that's your fallopian tube. <laughs> mm. right and basically, like, when it when it um, is fertilized, then it'll attach. And they had seen me pregnant, right? Mm-hmm. And so when it attaches to the uterus, which is where the baby will grow and whatever, and da-da-da-da. And um, so then my question was, so how do you think that the seed gets to the egg? <laughs> And then, because we had talked about, like, where in, in the yeah. male bodies and the scrotum and yeah. can come through the penis and everything. And they're thinking, and I said, well, uh, because, like, as babies are born, you know, they'll come out of vagina. So, mm-hmm. excuse me if this is too no. actual. <laughs> this is great. This is reality. You have to be real with your kids. Because mm-hmm. they're not stupid. You know, and like know. Well, you that's know, the whole thing. Adults going through yeah, childhood. Yeah, you, yeah, gotta, you just talk to them like it is. So mm-hmm. I think that's what the hell. Well, I think that that's the most inspirational thing about all of this, and just even in observing not just you and JD, but like I said, you know, I hung out around married people for like on purpose, like mm-hmm. intentionally, so I could just observe and like osmosis, right? Because. Right. You know, I was hanging around all my single friends in New York, and it's just like... We're just single. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, but just, single. it's just the, the mentality and the way that they look at the world. And, like, mm-hmm. it's not good, bad, right, or wrong, but it's just to actually see two people who have been together for a long time and how they talk to each other, how they cohabitate, how they make decisions, how they talk to their children. And create something. Exactly. It's yeah. just like, it was like rewiring my brain, mm-hmm. you know? And I think there's a lot of things that if you're not talking about them or like pretending they don't exist or treating the child or the teenager in a way that it's like we don't talk about that they're going to be curious they're going to find it from somewhere else and it's just crazy because like what like for me I'm like the youngest youngest out of like everyone in my generation and and um, like on my mom's side I'm the youngest child on my dad's side I'm the youngest cousin Mm -hmm. and so I was used to just like not and I don't think it was anything on purpose but my my child experience of the world was no one's paying attention to me and no one cares what I have to say or like if I have a question like that to the point where I didn't even ask questions and I just like Mm. figured things out on my own Mm -hmm. which I mean I, I still turned out great but like 
I have you did. a. You're pretty awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Exclusive. <laughs> so exactly. So but so it's like everything happens for a reason, but. It would have been that, like, I still feel sad to, at times to think about what I didn't have. And mm-hmm. I even remember, and I learned so much just from, like, when I moved here and, like, hanging out with you and the girls more just from observing because, you know, the girls would have these questions. I wouldn't answer them because I'm like, oh, I'm not, you, you can't know that or something. <laughs> and, I, it, it, and it was nothing crazy. I think it was, like, one time I said something, MF something, and then Kylie was like, what's MF? Or I think I said AF, which is, like, you know, as F-U-C-K, whatever. <laughs> and so I just, I said MF, and I didn't think that any of the kids would hear because yeah, I said it, yeah. like, only for you. And um, Kylie asked, and I remember being like, I just wouldn't answer her question. <laughs> and I just was, like, looking at her, like, how dare you keep asking, you know? Not that I meant to, but I just was used to, like, you're not allowed to ask questions. You're not allowed to be curious. You're not allowed to know certain things. Mm-hmm. And then you just like explained it and I just, it was like, like, but you also even did it in a way where you were like, well, you, you like guided her to the conclusion, you know, and it's like, well, it's, it's it's a bad word. And that's why Auntie Ailey said it with the letters and to not say the word. (laughs) I do not even remember this. So I'm saying these things, like they impact me (laughs) and I'm like, we have to do this episode. Um, So it just, it's just really great to like have this mindset of like guiding them and allowing them giving them the space to even like want to know things right because like for me I was like I'm not allowed to ask anything money I want to talk about money too like so one very cool thing that we do as a family is we play this game called cash flow Mm -hmm. which is a game developed by Robert Kiyosaki who wrote Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which I'll also link that in the show notes, but I also talk about it in the Self-Love and Money episode, which is episode three. Um, And the book talks about this game, and this game is about teaching finances. I know we play the game. That's one way that families can learn Mm -hmm. about money together. Lily had a spreadsheet once for her birthday party or something. Yes. She had a budget, and every penny was spent. (laughs) And there was $20 left over for a nuclear family dinner. And she goes, well, we could go to Starbucks or McDonald's. <laughs> she, like, knew the budget. So, yeah, how do you how do you teach that money about money to your kids? And- so, again, I don't think we would have ever taught our kids the way we taught them if it weren't for our personal experience growing up. Mm-hmm. And I've been working since, I guess, regularly since I was 14. I had a regular steady income babysitting, right? Mm-hmm. And I did that because I enjoyed doing it mm-hmm. and not because I needed the money. Mm-hmm. Money was nice, obviously, right? <laughs> We're talking about hundreds of dollars a month for yeah. high school, right? Yeah, and awesome. so, and, and what did I, like, movies only cost $4.50. Know, the good old days. <laughs> Matinees were like $2. Right? Yeah. The dollar theater was actually a dollar. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever I I earned was my blow money. I could spend it on anything. Mm. And so I think just at a, at a young age, <laughs> when we were married and had a child, it's like, I remember distinctly J.D. being like, oh, well, I just want to buy this because it's my money and I can't even do that. It's like, welcome to adulthood. You know, <laughs> first we've got our rent and the electricity, and we have to pay for trash. Mm. Who thought that was oh, a yeah. good idea? I know. Yeah. <laughs> that was so weird when I moved to California. By the way, my yeah. New York people, yeah, you got to pay for trash out here. <laughs> really. And apartments don't come with a fridge. 
Yeah. <laughs> so it was, it was reality hit. Yes. And I, I didn't blame that on my parents or any teachers or anything like that. I blamed that on me for not realizing like, well, who did, else did you think was going to pay for that stuff? Mm-hmm. And so for me, it was always, how can I help my children experience life better where they're not going to get slapped in the face? with bills Mm, and mm -hmm. how do I coach them and guide them along the way I think the biggest thing our bank account is longer than our marriage basically you know you're going out on dates and it's the 21st century and you're like well I'm a girl I make money like I can pay for dates too Mm -hmm. but the bottom line is it wasn't like like oh you should pay or I should pay or whatever it was really like well it's our money like we're gonna do these things together why don't we just like have a joint account? It makes it so much easier, you know. And then and we, we just know, pay from there. Yeah. yeah, we just pay you from know there. how much you have. You know what you can do. Exactly, everyone knows. Exactly. <laughs> so it was more of awareness, kind of a thing. Mm. We don't give our kids allowance. Actually, they can earn money for doing chores or whatever. Luckily, it takes a village to raise a, a kid, and we have a big village where a lot of them do give monetary gifts for both birthdays and Christmas. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. thank you to everyone who's contributed to my children's uh, financial money. Spending money. <laughs> Maya, being the youngest, mm-hmm. and you know the girls saying like, "Hey guys, let's go to let's go to Starbucks," and then I said to Maya, "It's like, well, you can either choose to go to Starbucks and buy something there, or you can eat waffles here at home." She goes. I'll have waffles because she don't want to spend money. the money, right? Yeah. She's and, the saver. <laughs> yeah, and and I think that her ability to make those decisions, I think like one of the paramount um, experiences for her was when she was younger and I, she's probably like three years old and we were we had decided to go out as a family for ice cream, right? Mm-hmm. And then there were some cookies and, and this was like in a couple hours, right? Mm-hmm. And there were some cookies. She's like, oh, I really want a cookie. And I said, oh, well, you know, we're going to have ice cream later. She goes, but I really want a cookie. I want a cookie instead. I don't want ice cream. I said, are you sure? Like, everyone's going to be eating ice cream, and you're not going to have any if you eat this cookie now. She goes, no, I want a cookie. <laughs> so hours pass. We go. She didn't say anything to me. but She has a cookie, though. She had the cookie. Okay. She doesn't say anything to me or anyone, but she's just mumbling, grumbling to herself. She's like, why did I choose the cookie? <laughs> so she's really feeling this remorse now with her decision. Mm. And I think that experience, she's like, yeah, mom means business. You know, she's not going to give it. And of course, and that's why like, I'm the cold-hearted one. JD's the softie. And he's like, <laughs> he feels so bad. I'm like, stick to your guns. <laughs> Do not give in. <laughs> well, I think I just want to pull out like, like, what I'm hearing you say. and Because I, I think whether... Whether you read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, whether you pay cash flow, whether you do Financial Peace University Mm -hmm. or follow Dave Ramsey, I think what I'm hearing is like it's important for the the king and queen of the family or, you know, the the parents or the grownups, the caregivers to learn together. Mm Mm-hmm. That's so very, you're on the same page. Exactly. To be on the same page and then um, and then you can also teach from that same page. But also, just back to t- treating children like they're adults going through childhood, yeah. it's like they learn from observing you. And so I just want to say a, a fun story <laughs> was when we both witnessed Maya trading with Lily like I think they got they got pasalubong which is like souvenirs from their auntie Amber Megan's sister from Alaska or something Mm -hmm. and it was a flavor that Maya didn't like and so I think like she basically sold her mints to Lily and then Megan I didn't really notice what was going on it was on the couch next to us but Megan was like Eileen do you 
do you see what's going on over there? <laughs> and I just saw this like little entrepreneurial exchange. Yeah. And this was years ago, so Maya was young. I mean, seven mm-hmm. or something. Probably, yeah. Yeah, and, and, um, <laughs> and Megan's like, self-love story. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, you know, it just I just was like, yeah, self-love story, our little entrepreneur. But also, mm-hmm. I think kids learn so much from just mm-hmm. observing us. And so if we as the grown-ups are not, fully expressing ourselves, are not learning, are not reading books, are not being on, they're not witnessing us be on the same team or witnessing us like kind of fight through things together and get through difficult spots together in like a mature, healthy way or um, how we're going for our dreams or even what we're doing. I mean, they observe everything. Right. And so I just think that's, well, that's and that's really what we it. call yeah. like applied knowledge. And mm-hmm. so, you know, it's applying what we've learned to ourselves, but then also helping them apply that and guiding them through those experiences and also trusting them. You know, you want them to learn the consequences with the small things. Like a cookie before. over ice cream. Exactly. Yeah. Before the consequences over big things. Yeah. Because it does mean something. It's it's impactful. It is. And, then, and you can guide them through that. And then that's like an innocent thing. And what does that translate on to later in life? We also tell them that we're still growing. Yeah. We're never going to stop We're not perfect. Growing. We're not there. We yeah. We tell them, yeah, we say we make mistakes. You guys mm-hmm. have the opportunity to learn before us at a younger age and learn from our mistakes as well. And we have to go back and eat that humble pie and say, like, yeah, you know, I see what you're doing here. You are mimicking me. That bad mm. behavior that you just did, it's you saw me doing that. Mm. And mm. I've now learned that that's not the right thing to do. That's not the right way to speak or that's not the right way to think. You don't know what they're picking up. I mean, they're yeah. picking up everything, but you don't really know like how deep it and goes. And how they're interpreting it, too. Yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. so then until you see it, it come out in an action. The age range is 18, 15, 14, and 10, and, mm-hmm. and just where they are in life, too. They're going to have different experiences. And I guess I kind of want to circle back to, you know, sex and the emotion of sex. And so, yes, when they're young and we'll ask questions and you talk about the physiology of it. but It's different than when the hormones are kicking and the boys are liking them or the girls or whoever. Yeah, And they literally said, so you had to do that four times? And we're like, yep, four times. But, you know, not even realizing, like, even in things that they would see on TV or whatever, people kissing on TV and we're like, oh, don't watch that, whatever, cover your eyes. Uh And then I was like, why? Mm. You know? Like, why? Like, I don't want to shame, shame that. Yeah. Like, that is natural. That is love. We need to see more love. Mm -hmm. And then, and it's explaining, like, when do you kiss? Like, who should kiss? Why do Mm -hmm. you kiss? It's an opportunity that opens up a conversation. Mm -hmm. And just really quick, because I know for me, I was the, like, I had my eyes covered, but like, I can still hear what's going Mm -hmm. on. And I'm still curious about it. And sometimes I could still see through, you know, the cracks and the hands that were covering my eyes. And and again, th- this is in um, the sex episode, which is, I think, episode 13. And I also talk a little bit about this in the identity episode, which is episode 11. So I won't go too deep into it now. But like what we hide from our kids, they'll still find out some other way. So wouldn't you rather be the one to filter that information? And share your own personal values yeah. and principles. Mm-hmm. And, and going back to like when we started talking about sex, we always told them like, Now, every parent is going to have this conversation or should have this conversation with their child. Mm -hmm. And that's their right to have that. So, you know, don't be talking about this with your friends. Like, guess what my mom said or whatever, Mm -hmm. because you're taking that away from From their their relationship. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. and I said, now, if your parent, if your friends bring it up, 
then you know, okay, it's okay to talk about it, yeah. right? Yeah. Like you said, when hormones kick in and, and what they're exposed to, and I think it's it's having those conversations, having that open dialogue, but normalizing it. Yes. Not making it weird, not making it embarrassing as much as you can, and then call them out on it. Well, they're all like, Mom, this is weird. Like, why are you talking about that? I'm like, why? Who else are you going to talk to it about? I'm like, do you think that... And they honestly, How do you think you guys got here? Right? Like, and they honestly think, like, you don't understand, though. You know? I, I mean, like, teenagers really? know everything. I was your age for a whole year. I have more experience than you do at that age. <laughs> you well, haven't even yeah. made it the whole year yeah. yet. Well, I think, so, I mean, and that just speaks to where our society is in terms of normalizing it. And I, yeah. I just, even naming it like the only reason you think this is weird is because out there it's weird but it's not it's natural where else are you going to learn this from and And that's not just with sex that's with money too Mm -hmm. i think people think money conversations are weird friendship god Mm -hmm. like all of it all of it right so i think everyone wants their child to you know marry a virgin and be be a virgin right and I guess I had to like face the reality like well that may or may not be my child Mm -hmm. but then it's talking about like well why why do we want that why is that taught and I was not and my kids are aware that I was not Mm -hmm. JD and I got married in December and Jasmine was born in May and you know they (laughs) learn math like in first grade so being married took my spiritual relationship to another level and then being parents Mm -hmm. took it to another level and really had me appreciate because you think like how can this greater power greater being really be all that forgiving and loving unconditionally and as a parent you see that and yeah the parent's relationship is the pedestal upon which you put your kids on Mm -hmm. and and people say like oh for the kids for the kids for the kids like okay but if there's nothing to stand on yeah what is for the kids yeah so for, for me, it's like if I'm going to love them that unconditionally, I should love my spouse even more unconditionally yeah. than that yeah. and have that much grace and compassion mm-hmm. and forgiveness. And I think that is also, too, with like your big family energy, mm-hmm. right? And, and extending that to every member of your family, no matter how quirky or, or whatever their choices are, but truly like loving all and accepting all. Now I will answer your question about like what would I what do I wish was differently? I wish that I learned to love more and greater at a younger age. Because mm. I felt that for some reason there was the impression on me that love should be reserved for certain people. Mm-hmm. Or, mm-hmm. you know, love should be, you know, just it's not as freely given. Yeah. Like, Almost like it's a finite resource and like you have to ration exactly, it out. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And then not realizing that love is more like a flame, the more you catch on fire, like it doesn't dull this flame. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. It's not the, the more you put in the fire. Mm-hmm. It's not the starting, like if you light one candle to the next, it's right. not the lighting of the other candle that mm-hmm. puts that flame out. I do believe love conquers all. Yeah. You know? When I first stepped into this family four years ago, um, there was so much love mm-hmm. in your family that I experienced to the point of the food that I was eating that was made by your mother. <laughs> I could feel it. I know. Like, I remember that conversation. Um, it was overwhelming at first to really be so loved and be so accepted in people that I didn't even know. Yeah. Um, so I say thank you uh, for welcome. allowing me to come in and then treating me as another son or as another child in your family. Final question. Maybe this is for that person. Maybe they're wanting to start their own family. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe this is for that broken home child like me and Amelia that are looking for hope. 
that are wondering if something like this ever exists. Um, they just heard all of this. You talk about this. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe it's somebody who's in a loving family. Maybe they're going through something. We don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, what thought, phrase, verse, wish, hope, prayer, whatever it may be, uh, what would you like to leave the thousands of listeners out there from Self Love Story and the Wave Healing Nation of Tsunami Healing? If you're waiting till you're ready, you'll never feel ready. Mm. You just got to do it. Mm-hmm. You'll never feel good enough. You'll never feel that you can parent, that you'll be a good parent, mm-hmm. that you'll have anything worthwhile to pass on, but do it anyways. Mm-hmm. Because they will show you more about yourself than you'll mm-hmm. ever realize. And they truly are a reflection. You learn as you go. Like, no one thinks that they can ride a bike until they get on it and just do it. And I tell my girls this too, like, whatever you hope for, whatever you wish for, whatever you dream for, never think that you're asking for too much. Mm. Because there's a reason that those hopes and desires are in your heart. And and just have that courage to, to change the world so that it will give you what it is that you need, that you can create whatever you that whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Like I said, life's what you make it, so let's make it great. We're excited for the time where they all like fully launch out into full adulthood and are out there on their own because <laughs> we get to see the product that we have been growing and grooming and that adult going through childhood who's now an adult. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited for to that see what next they create level. in the yes. world. Me too. Our family mission is actually to create a positive ripple. Yeah. So if we've made one ripple and we hope that it translates onto another, thank you for having me. You're welcome. Thank you. And to those of you listening, thank you so much for being here. You know how much I love you. Again, check the show notes with all the books that we've mentioned. This has been Courageous Self Love, the official podcast for the self love revolution. I'm your host, Amelia Fortes, and we are out for now. Hey, if you're loving the show, make sure you become a patron. For as little as $2 a month, you can get episodes where you can't get anywhere else. Go to patreon.com slash the Amelia Fortes. I'm going-